Awi awi. This time, your time, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Father. It must be your way, only your way, Father. Only your way. The opportunity that you bless me with, Father, to be able to share and to be about your business. So, brothers and sisters, sharing with you, and I want to, I'm gonna share a little bit from some studying that I was doing earlier and some things that I ran across that I think are really important for us to remember. And I've shared with you before that good intending members of church body will advise you to, you know, and they're possibly you've shared with them of some things that are going on and so they have tried to help you with good intentions and not meaning and not maybe understanding so they try to give you someone that may be able to help you out a um, a self-help counselor or somebody that they have talked to well I caution against that unless you do some hard praying and guidance of the Holy Spirit takes you and perhaps they keep that title for, I don't know, whatever reason. But know, realize, and understand this, that that is just in that wording alone and that title that they utilize it's contrary to biblical teaching and it's contrary to the scriptures because we are to put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, our faith in God and the Holy Spirit to guide our steps and we rely on that But when you start to rely on yourself, then you are denouncing the sovereignty of Lord God Almighty and you are putting yourself in charge. This is, this is a tool of the enemy. And I've shared with you before that sometimes his the way he attacks is through very subtle means and messages and a very well-intending member of the church group, Bible study group, whatever. Very well-intending. Might not mean anything at all by it, but then just something that they have heard about possibly through their work, whatever. Doesn't make any difference. 
just, I caution you. And in doing that, understand this, that surrendering is relational. It's a relationship with God who desires to have a relationship with his children, which we are. We are his children. And we are reminded to have faith in God as a child would have faith. And Jesus told us when he was teaching his disciples and they tried to keep the children from Jesus and he gave them a gentle rebuke and he says, suffer not the little children come unto me. Lest ye become as a child, ye shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus being very, very teaching more so than, than many realize. And they also think that he's talking about those youngsters. Well, he was using them for an illustration that we must be like a child in order to see heaven. That means children trust their father, their mother. They have this, just this belief that mom and dad are going to take care of them. I shared with you my earthly father. I used to jump off the roof. If he told me he was going to catch me, I believed him, and I would. My brothers would sometimes prank me, and they'd get me up there, and they'd leave me up there <laughs> on the roof. They'd take the ladder down. Dad would come along later and find me. I thought it was very cool until then I realized that the ladder was gone. I couldn't get down, so then I'd be fussing and fussing, and Dad would come out and, come on, I got you. And uh, even if he came partway up the ladder, and but he'd tell me he would take care of me, and I trusted my father. You have to understand, this surrender is not just resigning the fact that you're not in charge. It is a relational a re relational surrendering, you're giving to God what God deserves to have anyway. Your complete trust, confidence, your faith in him. Embracing what he has designed for us. The enemy doesn't want you to do that. So in these very sometimes subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways, the enemy gets you to side with him, to question, and not to give up your mm, People like to uh, talk about self-reliance and, well, that's okay. Except that what happens when you do that and you try to take care and do everything on your own? You get so worn out, you get so tired, and you realize you can't do it on your own and you need help. 
what better place to turn for help than to your Heavenly Father? Abba Yahweh, the maker of all things made. And one of the subtle ways that the enemy used to get me to do, to not surrender to him for things is he'd get me to believe that some of the littlest things I was doing was too trivial for God. Well, let me explain this to you and understand this. Understand this very well. Listen to what I'm saying. Don't just hear the words. Listen to what I'm sharing. You are not too trivial for God. God came and died for you. He saw you from a far distance and he came for you and he stretched out his arms on the cross and he died for you. That's not triviality. That's reality, and he did that because he loves you and because he does not think you to be trivial. So if something is needing to be done that you need to get accomplished and you quite can't quite get it on your own, God will help. And don't think he doesn't want to hear from you. I share this with you out of personal experience, brothers and sisters. This is truth. And I tell you, because some of these things, you know, I, I have a hard time with my my fingers holding on to these little tiny, tiny screws and and uh, when I was underneath the motorcycle and trying to do some things and I was getting myself agitated because I wasn't asking for help, as soon as I did and I let it go, I mean really let it go, it happened. God likes to be involved with us. He wants a relationship with us. So surrender is not just being resigned to the fact. It's a relational part of being with God and following God. And I just, I don't remember highlighting this, but I must have, because it is. <laughs> um, in my study, one this paragraph that I, I highlighted, and God speaking. My greatest work is the unseen places where my children surrender their will to me. When my son surrendered his will to me in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
it did not take the cross out of the way, but it meant resurrection and an empty tomb on the other side. So this is an important factor that we have to remember. And a lot of people get really, <clears throat> I find they get really jacked up about this, is that, well, God didn't fix that. God didn't do this and God didn't do that. I asked, well, you have to understand something. That our Heavenly Father knows and sees best from his perspective. And that because... He doesn't remove something completely the way you think that it should be. But what you don't realize is that actually that's giving you strength and he is with you anyway. Remember what I shared with you not too long ago. that we will say or declare, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? My declaration and response, my father is sovereign and God of even if. So even if the obstacle seems very bleak and you don't think that it's possible to surmount or get around. Talk to God. Hold on to his righteous right hand. And some of you may have not, and, and he was sharing this with me earlier, and I, I actually had to look it up to make sure that I was thinking the right thing. I had heard the term before, and I used it before, and read about him, and I am familiar with him, because I've actually seen him before. There's a thing that happens around glaciers, it's called an ice fall. And for those of you that don't know or are unaware, glaciers move and they move similar to a river, not as fast, not sometimes it, they just creep along and it takes a year for them to move any great distance at all. But an ice fall takes place usually at the, at the uh, base of a glacier or at the, um, how they would call it with a glacier, I know what a, it would be called in a river, but at the mouth where it comes down, the, the ice is moved against unmoving objects, could be parts of the mountain, stone, or I, they, they collide and they break and they move up and they have this very, they're very, can be very tall. I mean, taller than a man, much taller than a man. Some of them even as tall as a building. And there are crevices and fissures and, and dangerous places with them. And, and when the teams, when they go up Everest, there's a, um, can't remember the name of it now, but there's a very famous ice fall that they have to cross. And in order to get across it, they have to, uh, the Sherpas will uh, 
they carry ladders so that they can lay the ladders down and they traverse the ladders as a footbridge to get across this ice ball. And if you were to look down, which I would never do because I have a, <laughs> I have a thing with high places. Kind of funny, but military guy. But anyway, some of these are when you cross those and you look down into the crevasse are pretty far down there. And I share that to share this, isn't that if you, the obstacle may look like a big ice ball and if there's no way you'll get across it, or you try to figure out on your own a way to get around. So what we do in doing that, we've taken our eyes off of God and our focus away from him. And we are trying to decide how to get around it. And God reminds us that we need to progress through the day easier with his guidance and focusing on him. And God will make a way, but we take steps of trust with him and there's a song that a young Christian artist sings. I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. But when you trust that the detour is the road, because the Holy Spirit guides our steps and travels with us. And when we trust that that is the case. And we stay with him and I focus on him. So this person, this young Christian person sings a song as called the, uh, called the detour I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. Savannah, Savannah something. I can't recall. I apologize. But she's singing that having faith in that whatever the detour is, that that is the road. That's the path that we're, we're taking because the Holy Spirit's taken us that way. When we travel through life and you have all things, these things happening on and we looks like it's blocked out and that our focus is more on the obstacle and more on trying to get around it and what we're going to do now and what and what and what if and what if and what if all we have completely forgotten that God is even if I'm holding your hand even if I'm right here beside you even if I've already figured out the way even if I've already decided the route even if, and even if we go that way, we're there. We're there, not you're there, we're there because he 
is with us whithersoever we go. No matter where we go. David sings about this in Psalms and reminds us that if we go to the highest mountain, the deepest depths, the farthest sea, it doesn't matter. God is there with us. Hold on to that righteous right hand, his strength. He is with us. So we're focusing on the obstacles or looking for the way we're going to get around. And then in trying to do that and not surrender our will because we're still trying to do it on our own, we get off course. We take a wrong turn and we go down the wrong road. Instead, we just focus on our Father. And remember, see, a lot of, a lot of folks have an issue with Jesus' metaphor that he uses about the, the shepherd and the sheep. Remember, he is there guiding us. It might look like the path is covered with bramble burrs and there's no way. The shepherd knows. And he's going to make sure that we get through. He's going to lead us beside the still waters. He's going to find a green, lush pasture that we lay down in his sweet, sweet rest. And he is going to watch. He's going to watch over us. He always watches over us. I can't not, and I used to think that it was always me, yeah, when I wasn't walking with God. It's why the consequential life I'm, I'm in. But I made choices that were not best. Understand and realize this, that when we've surrendered to God, it doesn't mean that everything, poof, magically disappears and it's all bubblegum and roses and lush and it doesn't mean that everything is going to be a cakewalk. Doesn't mean that. But it means that God is with me. It means that God is with us. And it's always that way. And before we realize it, that obstacle that we thought was so insurmountable, so treacherous, is far behind. You can barely even tell where it was when you look back. As like I've shared with you, when you complain and grumble about the storm, you might go through it, but God's with you. And he's a shelter in the time of storm. There's an old hymn like that. Jesus is a rock in this dreary land, this dreary land, shelter in the time of storm. So instead of grumbling about the storm and pulling your collar up and crouching down and just, oh, we're a, we're a, we're a, we're a, oh, what a, we're a, we're a, we're a, and sit there grumbling about it, if you hold a strong right hand and walk with God, 
And then all of a sudden you look around and realize that, wow, where are the clouds? Where's all that rain? Oh my goodness, look, the sun, sun is out. Everything is dry. And the birds are singing, the flowers are blue. Wow. And then you turn around, you look back, and that storm is gone. And when you look back, remember that God was with you. God is with you, always. It's when Moses told Joshua, and Joshua told the elders of the tribe. Reminded him, he said, you look back, but don't look back on regret. Don't look back on remorse. Look back and remember all the times that God was with you. Remember that God is with you. Remember that God was with you. Remember that God will be with you. God is the God of even if, and he is the God that was, the God that is, and the God that will be. He is our heavenly father, the ancient of days, the first and the last, the author, the finisher, the beginning and the end. And his love is without end, beyond comprehension. We cannot even suppose the depth of his love. That depth brought him to our plane of existence and he stretched out his arms and he died for our sake. He bled for our sake. He was beaten for our sake. He was bruised. As the song tells, he was bruised for my iniquities. I am cleansed because he did these things. So the secret of my success, not such a secret, really. Might be aware of things that are going on around, but not allowing them to take over the thought process, not allowing the enemy to win over the argument. And that it is important that we focus on God and that we are aware that he is in me and I am in him. Him, the Lord thy God. The road looks like it's full of obstacles and difficult, but trust the detour is the road. And he will get us through. Jesus tells us and John and shares with us that he is our good shepherd. And there are those individuals that I have heard that have this issue with that analogy that Jesus uses. Let me tell you this. Shepherds are good. Really, good shepherds are good. There are those that are what the Lord calls the hirelings, 
They could care less. They don't care. And there are some that really do, and they're really, really good pastors. And I share that with you because this is a term that is used for pastors of a church are called shepherds. They're called angels, prophets. There's a lot of different scriptural terminology that is used for pastors of a church. And they are, there are good and there are bad. But the Lord guides and will guide you to them. When you seek his direction and seek his truth and finding that, and remember I've shared with you, as we are told to try the spirit in all things in finding a church home. The Holy Spirit will guide. And he leads us on the right paths. Remember, the book of Proverbs tells us that, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, not to lean into your own understanding. That the Spirit will guide us. And will make good our paths. Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah. Preaches that to the nation. And a lot of different names that. <laughs> Isaiah shares. About God. The upright one. as he shares in Isaiah 26, the path of the righteous is level. O upright one, you make the way of the righteous smooth. Just says it's smooth, doesn't say it's perfect. Just says it's smooth. He trusts and he will keep you from the footfalls. Doesn't mean that you're gonna float through and buy everything that it goes on, but faith, faith is a good thing. And we're always reminded, but we have to give up self-reliance. And there are people that have such a hard time with that. There are even Christians or so, let me, let me uh, back up, beep, 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 beep. That's my backup beeper. Let's back up and rephrase that. Those that call themselves Christians, those label heads, they call themselves that, but they won't give up self-reliance. You have to be self-reliant. And there are even those that declare that God is showing us how to be self-reliant. Well, that doesn't make sense to me because... The Bible doesn't teach that. Nowhere in the scripture does it teach you to be self-reliant. What it does is that we rely on the Spirit's guidance to strengthen our faith, and we can do and go through and forward progressing and remembering that I am able to accomplish 
all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. So I'm not doing it by myself. I might be appearing to be on my own, but the Lord is with me. The Holy Spirit guides me. My Father is holding my hand and I am focused on him and not focusing at all on my own. Because let me share with you, in Hebrews 11, there are theologians that call that the hall of faith. If you read down that list of names that are there and then you go back in biblical history, you can see that they started out not being so faithful that they were more reliant on self and they found themselves a flutter and in a mess and then they cried for repentance and opened their hands up and gave in to God's guidance and things got a lot better. Then they started being faithfully reliant on the spirit and God's guidance. So brothers and sisters, it also comes down to this. Forgiveness is an important part of that. And we have to realize that we can't take sovereignty from God by saying, I can't forgive myself. I can't. I just can't forgive myself for doing that. I, I let that happen. Yes, you can and you must because in doing that, this is that little subtlety thing that I shared that the devil likes to do. He likes to get that in your thought and make you think that that's your idea. It's not. Because in declaring, declaring that, you are declaring that you're deciding on forgiveness. It's not up to God. It's up to you. You have just now decided that you're going to rely on you and not on God. And as the old adage goes, you just opened up a big old can of worms. Just open up a big old can of worms. So we have to remember And I like this, I like this too. I highlighted this in my, my study. A bottom line is that we have to rebuke the, the mutterings of the enemy and his minions and the demons that come will try to get us poisoned with this white noise interference. And we ultimately have to refuse and we claim the peace, the peace that he gives us through his love for us and not that of the world. Remember what Jesus told us when he came into the room with the disciples and he uses that illustration for us in the Bible? They were fearful, they were worried. The Jews were hunting them down. Jesus was just crucified. And they were hunting down everyone else because they were believing in Jesus. They were told not to, but they did. 
So they locked themselves in the upper room. And Jesus entered the upper room and he was in their midst. And what did he tell them? My peace, peace be with you, my peace. Not as the world gives to you, but my peace, because I have overcome the world. And I promise you my peace, the peace that passeth all understanding. We have no concept. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to muse through this. Stop trying to puzzle around it and figure out. You cannot figure out the depth of his love. You cannot figure out the mystery of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You cannot figure out why he came and died for you. So stop trying. Faithfully believe and seek that peace that he provides, the peace that passeth all understanding. And when we desire that and we live in peace with God, we have to decide that we're going to refuse it no matter what anything looks like. feels like or seems like we can't allow the devil to infiltrate this thought process and be offended at God or the fact that God did this or did that or allowed this or allowed that. That's the enemy trying to get you agitated with God so that you do like the children of Israel did when they came out of Egypt and they were in crossing the desert and all these things. What did they do? They shook their fists at God they turned their back on God and they started to worship the idols and the deities that they had learned about in Egypt. And when Moses was on the mountain talking to God and he spent too long up there, they got all agitated and they convinced Aaron, who was a craftsman, a metalsmith, and that he was able to do so. So they collected their jewelry and all this stuff and he melted down their gold and he made them a golden idol, a calf, a golden calf. And they were gonna worship a cow instead of God. They became offended at God. And we gotta get to that place where we refuse to believe the lie that God is doing something to us. He's not doing anything to us. He's with us, for us, about us, and loves us. So we need to rebuke the lies and seek his face, seek his truth. Brothers and sisters, you're in my prayers going out and coming in every day. Be blessed.